Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. It all goes back to them. They love themselves. The things that people do because love themselves too much. God never says, love yourself. What does God say to do to myself? Die to yourself. Because a little less of you would do you a lot of good. You know, he says, you could die to yourself, but he never says, love yourself. He says this. He said, but you know what you can do? Love him like you love you. That'd be good. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself because God knows you love yourself. We live in a society where we're constantly telling people to love themselves. But is that even biblical? Pastor Bill reminds us today that we don't need to be reminded to love ourselves because we already do. You want to learn to love? Then love others because that will truly test you It's easy to love ourselves. No one has to teach us or show us how, but to love others takes patience, practice, selflessness, sacrifice. If you learn to love others, then you won't even think about loving self. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. It it should be pointed out that throughout scripture, God cares for the poor. And God's people should also care for the poor. God cares about them. God's always made a provision for them. As God's people, it should be something that we care about. When you see somebody lacking, when you see somebody that doesn't have, it ought to be just automatic if you can, that you feed people and you take care of those sort of needs. It just should be automatic for the Christian that um, somebody poor, but you can't eat. I know we see people out there begging everywhere and they're trying to get over sometimes. But if somebody say, I'm hungry. I usually do this. I look, I look around and see where is the nearest place to eat. You want something from right there? I'll get you something from right there. And I've had people say, yes, please. Oh, thank you so much. And they eat it up. Praise the Lord. Fed them. I've had people say, I said, I'll take you right there. I don't really like that. You're not hungry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you're hungry and somebody say, I'm going to buy you something to eat, you just say yes. But that's how I test them out. Me and me, I was with my son and BJ's got a, a real sweetheart and He's seen a guy out there and the guy was begging. And um, I, I, I said, you know, I said, everybody begging. Sometimes people, you know, really need some. Some, some people, they want money to go buy something bad, son. You know, how, he said, how do you know? I said, well, sometimes you kind of test it. So I did. It. I said, well, let's go ask the guy. We'll, we'll offer to buy him something. I was at the, the Starbucks. We'll offer to buy him something at Wingstop or Panda. One of those two places. We're right next door. And I told the guy, I said, hey, if you want some meat, we'll take you here or there, buy you anything you want to eat. And the guy said, man, you know, I'm really tired of eating those things. There's something I want to get wet down around the way. If you could just give me the money. I said, have a good night, sir. I told BJ, I said, look, if he was really hungry, he had had wings and he had multiple options that panda. Brother's not hungry. You know, we're going to keep it moving. So, but we just need to be mindful as Christians that we should be looking for, as we have opportunity, we want to take care of those that have need. It's a blessing to be in a place to be able to feed somebody. The Bible says more blessed to give than to receive. Um, the Bible says if you lend to the Lord, I mean, with this thing about that, when you give to the poor, he says you're lending to the Lord. When you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. Not loan to some people and you're never going to get it back. But God said when you give to the poor, it's like lending it to me. You know, it'll come back eventually. You'll, he'll take care of us. So we want to be faithful about that. Verse 11, another set of rules now. You shall not steal nor deal falsely nor lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So God says, in your dealings with one another, don't don't steal. Don't deal falsely. 
Don't lie to one another. All different forms of deception. If I steal from you, I'm tricking you. I'm, I'm taking something. I don't want you to know I took it. I'm stealing from you. I'm, I'm taking something that belongs to you for myself. If I deal falsely with you, I'm deceiving you in some way. If I lie to you, I'm, I'm being deceptive. God said, I don't want you to be that way. As Christians, we want to be careful to not be people that walk in the dark. Bible says that Satan is a prince and power of the air, that he's he functions in the dark. And John 844 says Satan is the father of all lies. And when he tells a lie, he's speaking of his own resources. He's the father of lies. That's what he does. So God says as believers, I don't want you guys walking in that kind of deception. Don't deal falsely with each other. Don't lie to one another. Don't steal from each other. Don't defraud one another. Um, and this he's speaking to, the, to, to his people. So it'd be like he says to the church, hey, y'all, don't steal from each other. I mean, it would be a shame if we were here and you couldn't leave your purse sitting down here among us. Um, you can't leave your iPad sitting around around us. That would be a shame. I understand when you out there, you got to kind of hold it in tight. But here uh, among the body of God's people, it just should be different. It should be different. Um, and so God was telling them he's instructing them because it ought to be different around his people. Moving on in verse 13, he says, you shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. So God says, you guys shouldn't rob one another. You shouldn't cheat each other. And if I agree to pay you a wage, you work for the day and I agree to pay you this much money. Back then they had day workers. And if you work for the day, you were looking for that pay for the day because it was usually enough to eat for the day. And so God says, if you owe him wages for the day, you have it. Don't let that money stay with you overnight where he go home hungry and you have his money at home. You take care of that. And so, again, the, the idea here, God is saying he's, he's kind of dealt with his our relationship with him, not having idols, not not coming to worship him out of coercion, you know, not coming with stale fellowship with the Lord. And now he's dealing with how we deal with one another. Don't steal from each other. Don't defraud one another. And here he says, man, if, if somebody does a day's work, take care of them. Don't don't hold their money overnight and they can't eat. And you're holding it. So again, he says, you should, the wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Take care of them that they can go and, and, and take care of their family and whatever that meant for them. Now, in verse 14, um, he speaks of dealing with the handicapped, those that have disabilities. Verse 14, he says, you shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Um, so both of these things would be really, really mean things to do, right? If I curse at a deaf person, they can't hear the curse. And if I put a stumbling block in front of a blind person, they can't see the stumbling block. And so it kind of speaks to being cruel to somebody with a disability. And God is saying to his people, don't be like that. It's interesting that in the cultures where they don't worship the living, the true and the living God, the way that they treat those with disabilities is, is worse than in areas where God is trusted and believed in. Um, some of the worst areas, if you go to China, Japan, if there's a child with a disability, they are discarded. Um, sometimes in some of those areas, they can only have so many kids. And so when they have a kid and they find that there's an abnormality or, dis or something that's not right, something that's not perfect, they'll just discard them. And so in those areas, they got lots of uh, different organizations that have to come in and take those kids. And mostly they're, they're usually Christian organizations. Um, in India, there's a belief that if you have a kid with certain disabilities, that there's a curse on the mother. And so they'll hide it and they'll discard it so that the mother isn't viewed um, negatively in, in their community. And so and that some of that has to do with some of their religious beliefs and whatnot. And so people are discarded, treated poorly. 
Um, God says to his people, he says, I don't want you making fun of, messing with those that are less fortunate than you, someone that can't see, someone that's deaf for some reason. So what should the heart of the believer be for people with a disability, someone with a hardship like that? We should just, man, we should, we should have such a soft, compassionate heart for them. Um, where we, we see what we can do to minister to them. We look out for them. We take them by the hand and make sure they be safe. Um, the opposite. We're not putting stumbling blocks and we're not cursing. We, we're going to be, we're going to make sure we look out for you. We take care of you best we, best we can. That's the heart of God for them. And so, you know, I know kids can be cruel and, you know, I know when I was a kid, I was a cruel kid and I did mean things. And I, I'm sorry about a lot of the things I did as a kid, but in the Lord, as believers, we have to be better than that. God brings people around us that have disabilities and whatnot. Uh, it should be the safest place for them to be around some Christians. Going to love them and look out for them and take care of them and minister to their needs. Verse 15 now, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. And this would more speak to those that were going to be in positions where they were judging. Um, God says, I don't want you to give preference to the poor or the rich. Usually, you know, we're told, you know, in James, don't prefer the rich, but some people will also prefer the poor. You know, um, usually we, we re, whoever we can relate with, I can relate with the poor folk. If, you, if you've been broke a long time, you might have a little bit of attitude toward rich people. I'm going to look out for you because you broke like I used to be broke. I remember I was where you were, so I'm going to do for you what I would never do for them. Or you might be rich and snooty and you over here and you care about people that are upper crust they have what I don't have what I have whatever God says none of that none of that there'll be no judge none of that kind of judgment among us God says everybody's the same um we got to be looking out for the poor and the rich looking out for the people that don't have looking out for the people that do have that we wouldn't be corrupt in judgment that what you don't have and what you do have would not change that my judgment wouldn't be affected by your possessions what you do and don't have how I relate to you or I don't um, God wants there to be equity in judgment among his people. And so um, we want to be careful. Anybody here that's in a position where you, you're judging or you're dealing with things, you want to be careful that you're not swayed by relationships, friendships, and things that, that don't matter to God, that you would just judge in righteousness and in truth. We want to be fair and, and not impartial in that way. Verse 16, you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. God says you should not be a talebearer. What is a talebearer? A gossip. Somebody running around, yap, 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 just talebearing. I'm telling tales. Girl, I heard. Man, I heard. Because men do it too. God says don't be a talebearer. Some people hear some news, it could be bad. And they just can't wait. They're just, oh, I got to call you back. So they can get on the phone and call somebody else and tell them the dirt that they just heard from you. Some people just, they, they live for it. They, it. They're excited when they hear some little tasty tender vittle of, of something that happened to somebody. God said, don't be that. The body of Christ don't need anybody else telling tales. And so he said, don't, don't be a talebearer among your people. Then he says, don't uh, take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Again, for some, you know, you may be testifying against your neighbor, testifying against someone, and it, it might cost them their life. He said, don't do not do that falsely. Don't take a stand against the life of your neighbor. Being in a position where you're, you're the one, it's your voice, it's what you're saying that's going to bring condemnation on them. Verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. God wants us to love our neighbor. Uh, we know this is taught throughout scripture, love your neighbor and God is specific with us about how to love our neighbor. How are we supposed to love our neighbor? The way you love yourself. 
Um, we live in a culture now that's trying to tell all of our kids that you just got to love yourself. Um, it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest lies of the 21st century is everybody's being taught, love yourself. Any psychologist, any pop culture psychology that's going on, it's to the, if everything begins with loving yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can love someone else, blah, blah, blah. Can I tell you that that's false? Read your Bible. You can't find one verse in the Bible that says love yourself. You know why? Because God knows you already do. You already love yourself too much. Even people that look like they don't love themselves, love themselves. He doesn't love himself. That's why he's abusing himself. He's cutting his body. No, no. He's cutting himself to get attention from you because he loves himself and you're not paying enough attention to him and he's important to him. It all goes back to them. They love themselves. The things that people do because they love themselves too much. God never says, love yourself. What does God say to do to myself? Die to yourself. <laughs> a little less of you would do you a lot of good. You know, he says, you could die to yourself, but he never says, love yourself. He says this. He said, but you know what you can do? Love him like you love you. That'd be good. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself because God knows you love yourself. When God tells a husband how to love his wife, he says, hey, husbands, love your wife like I love the church and gave myself for. But later on, he says, love your wife like you love yourself. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so God said, love her like you love you. What does that mean? Guys, you know the way you think about yourself when you go to the store? Think about her. You know the way you just take care of yourself all the time? Take care of her. Love her like you love you. Because God knows that you love you. And so here God says, love your neighbor. And we know that he means love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. So practically, how does that work out? As I do something to my neighbor, I should consider. Would I appreciate if my neighbor did this to me? I'm, if I'm loving you like I love myself, I got to consider that. Um, when I used to do high school ministry, a lot of times you have kids open up to you and share things with you. And then they want to keep it private. So when kids come and say, I, I messed up and I smoked weed. Oh, I had sex with my girlfriend. Oh, and they want me to keep it between us. And I said, well, because I'm, I'm too, I'm a parent. And I would say, well, shoot, if my kid said that to an adult leader at the church, I'm kind of expecting them to come tell me. And so I, always my call when a kid would tell me something like that, I would say, hey, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you came to me. Glad you trusted me. You, you obviously trusted me as an adult and a Christian man and leader. So do you trust my judgment? I, I, okay, I hope you do. Because my judgment says, I got to tell your mom or I got to tell your dad. I said, but, and I would always give an answer. I said, I'm, I won't call them for this period of time. I give you, you got 24 hours, half a day. You got till tomorrow at noon. I said, but I'm going to call tomorrow at this time. And then you have between now and then to get up the guts to tell them yourself. But if not, I'll be calling. I'm calling to confirm that you told them or to tell them for the first time. But I said, but I, I have to do that for you. And I had kids mad. I said, but I, loving my neighbors myself, I, I want to know, right? If my kid's doing drugs and I'm giving them money every day, I'm the, and once I find out that that's how they're doing it, that's to be the best way to heal it. Oh, no more money, son. <laughs> now smoke that, you know? That, I mean, it just, it'll be cut off right there. That's love your neighbors yourself. And that can be, there's so many ways that that can be applied. But sometimes if we just considered what we're doing to other people, what we appreciate if it were done to us, it will cut out some of what we do. If we just love my neighbor the way I love myself, let me think about what I like that. Would that bless me? Would I be encouraged by that? Or would that be a bummer? You know, love your neighbor the way you love yourself. After he said, love your neighbor, um, he said, don't hate your brother in your heart. He says, you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. Rebuking your neighbor is also something you do in love. If I see you doing the wrong thing, rebuking you is, is loving you. It's telling you the truth. People don't like that. 
I'm in a position where I've rebuked people, I've corrected people, challenged them with the word. It's not always received very well. People don't always feel love when you're telling them what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is bad. You should stop it. You're, you're, you're ruining, you know. People don't really necessarily enjoy that all the time, but that's part of loving somebody. You rebuke them. Now, you don't do it in a mean way. I've seen people on TV rebuking people and they yell, spit, point, and shout. We don't do that. But you sit down and say, hey, look at what you're doing and look what the Bible says. What you're doing is wrong. I rebuke you. Stop that. It's wrong. Jacking up your walk with the Lord, messing up your marriage, bad example to your kids, blah, blah. It's a rebuke. That's in love. What do people typically say today to, to fend that off? What, what, what's, what do people tell you? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? The Bible said to do that. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a who? Friend. And so if you got someone in your life that love God and love you enough to tell you where you're wrong, you need to say thank you. Thank you for loving me. I don't like what you said, but thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I, those people in my life, I love them. I'm thankful for them. I got a lot of people that love me so much, they don't want to tell me nothing bad. But I got a few people that love me in a way where it's like, I'm going to just tell you. Uh, Pastor Tony is one of those guys for me. You know, he'll just, he's got a lot, little, little bit of a Marine left over in him. And so I'll tell him all this stuff and I'm, I'm looking for a, a, a gracious response from the man of God and all that. He'll just be like, well, man, I got to hurry up. So hey, put on your big boy pants. I'm going to just tell you real quick. And that's how he'll tell me. He'll just go black, black, black. And it'll all be true. Everything, every word of it. It's not said all soft and cuddly. But it's true. And I got to just, I be like, all right, thank you. Amen. And he'll say, I'm, I will call you in this many days and make sure you did what you're supposed to do with those words. I thank God for those people. That's loving me in a, in a, in a biblical way. So you rebuke people that you love. You tell them where they're wrong for their benefit because if they turn it around, you've helped them. And they run away from you, that's on them. They were doing bad already anyway. So it won't be worse. Verse 18 now, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Once again, we're not to now bear a grudge. Anybody here that's struggled with bitterness, um, you holding a grudge. When you get mad, you stay mad. You should feel convicted right now. Right now, conviction should set in on you right now. You're sitting there saying, I'm, you, if you got a grudge right now, just let conviction, let it, let it just, let it burn real good. Stop that, right? God said, don't hold a grudge. We're not supposed to hold grudges. You could be upset. You could not like what someone did in a moment. But God said, you can't hold a grudge. You can't hold it. Some of you hold it and hold it. And be days and weeks and months and you won't let them off the hook. You won't let them go. God said, that, that's not how I do. What if God did you how you did them? You couldn't even walk with God. The reason you and me can walk with God is because as soon as we say, I'm sorry, he forgives us. Confess your sins, I'm faithful to just forgive you and cleanse you right now. So it, it enables me to still have fellowship with God. But some of you won't do that for people. You ask God, forgive me, please, forgive you. And someone else mess up with you. And as they say, I'm sorry, you, you were sorry last time. How many times have you sinned against God again? Ain't the first time that you said sorry for the same thing. And God didn't do you like that. God didn't say, well, you said that last time. Because you know you did. What does he say? He forgives you again. And so God said, when someone do you wrong, you can't hold a grudge because then you become bitter and nothing good comes out of that. Bitterness. They said bitterness is like this. Bitterness is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. I'm going to take this poison and I hope they feel it and then you die. He burnt you up. 
That's bitterness. It's destroying you. Some people that you bitter with and holding a grudge, they they on about their life. They they good. You the one over here with ulcers and headaches and you know a bad relationship with God and the spirit of God can't freely move through your life because you all stuck up with bitterness. Let that go. Know that too. Can the spirit of the living God fill a bitter grudge holding vessel? Nope. You stuck in a funky place, funky place in your walk with the Lord. God can't flow through that. That's clogged up. But you forgive someone and say, yeah, I forgive. I've been free. I've been forgiven. I'm going to forgive. I, I need to be. I need to be. I just want to be right with God. I'm not even forgiving you for you. I'm forgiving you for me. Because if I don't forgive you, I'm going to do the wrong thing. If I don't forgive you, I'm going to be in a bad place. And so God said, don't, don't be holding grudges. And again, he's speaking to his people. Believers, do not hold a grudge. Don't take vengeance. If you're writing notes, you can write down Romans 12, 19, where God tells them in the New Testament, he says, look, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Think about that. Anybody here, the person you're holding a grudge with, God said, next time they're hungry, you feed them. When they, they look thirsty, when it's hot tomorrow and you're looking at them and you got that grudge, God said, go get them something cold to drink. Give them a good drink. It's just for you. Here you go. Buy them a nice drink, right? Give them something to drink. Uh, it'll be good for you. It, it, it might help them get over how ugly you've been acting too. But don't hold grudges. Not, not what God wants. And don't take vengeance upon yourself. That's not your place. Vengeance is God's place. And so... I want to say this because I know there's all kind of stuff going on in the world. And there's all kind of riots and people mad about this, that and the other. This, you know, I would just say this. I've talked to a lot of different people over the last week and everybody feeling real. Some people all in their feelings in a bad way. Remember this. Is anybody ever done a crime, sinned a sin that they really get in the way with? Nobody's getting away with nothing. Nobody. Everybody's going to stand before God. And so if there's injustice by criminals, if there's injustice by police folk, if there's injustice in the judicial system, wherever the injustice lies, everybody got to die and meet God. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. Nobody's getting away with nothing. I don't want to bring up old stuff, but OJ ain't getting away with that either. I mean, anybody that's done things and God saw what they did, not getting away with that. If you didn't do it, God knows you didn't do it. But if you did do it and everybody else said you didn't do it, why do you got to stand before the living God? The Bible says in Hebrews, all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Nobody getting away with nothing. So I can relax a little bit. I'm not going to be the one all up in arms about you. You're not going to get away with that. I, I, I just say that real calmly. You're not going to get away with that. Not because I'm going to get you, but because God's off. Everybody's going to pay for what they do. We need to stay focused as Christians, as believers. What's our job in a world that's all messed up like this? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be preaching the gospel because the answer is Jesus. The problem is sin. The answer is Jesus. Always has been. The problem in every area of life is sin. Sinners sinning against God, sinning against people. The problem is sin. What's the answer? Jesus. We need to be praying. We need to be sharing the gospel. That's what that's our post. So Christians can't be getting pulled off our posts. We're supposed to be praying and evangelizing. That's what we could do to impact the world. I can't be marching and rioting and kicking up dust. I'm supposed to be praying because it works. 
and I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with lost people because it works. Those are the methods that God has given out to bring healing to a broken world. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel Him, even when you don't understand Him, He is near and He is for you. His grace is endless and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.